No. What's your least favorite scary movie? Shut up, Dave. <laughs> oh. Welcome to What's Your Least Favorite Scary Movie, the podcast where we talk about the good, the bad, the ugly, and the absurd of all of our favorite and least favorite scary movies. Because we believe every horror movie rightfully has its fan base. Even if we don't always get it. My name is Travis. My name is Jesse. And today we are finally here after delaying this episode because we were sick mm-hmm. to discuss Halloween 2018. Yay! Yay! Um, since this is a delay and we want to get it out to you all ASAP, uh, we are going to... We're, we're, fuck it, we're doing it live. Yep, we are um. treating this as if it's a to be or not to be. So, yeah, yeah like a bonus episode, we're not going to be able to edit this one. I want to get this out today, so... Yeah, and thank you all for your patience and thank you for your well wishes and thanks for re-listening to our original Halloween episode that we yeah. put out on Thursday. So what happened was uh, we had a long weekend for Halloween and our plan was we did our to be or not to be on Sunday as usual. And then we were like, well, on Halloween, on Monday, we'll be watching all of our normal Halloween movies, which don't worry, we will finish the rest of our October movie reviews. Okay. Yeah. Um, and we knew we'd be watching Halloween 2018 then anyway. So we we're just like, oh, we'll just watch it, do our notes, and then we'll record on Tuesday. Mm-hmm. And everything was great. Halloween was wonderful. And then I woke up with a fever of like almost 102 on Tuesday morning, and it just kept going up and up and up from there. Um, and I immediately, like, did an at-home test, and it immediately showed up positive. Yeah. It was bad. Um, I was also feeling pretty bad. Um, I went and actually got tested because we were out of good home test kits here, and yeah. I still don't have my results as of Saturday, um, November 5th. So yeah. I, uh, I'm i a little bit pissed off about that. I don't know if I had COVID or have COVID or not, but I sure felt like it. Not yep. to the degree that Jesse did. I um, I was sick, but Jesse was like down and out the entire time. Yeah. So I'm happy that she's actually able to talk today. Yeah, I had a fever. I had a really bad congestion. I had a really bad cough. I don't think there's a single medicine we have in our house that I didn't put into my body. Um, yeah, you had like a whole like medicine cabinet on our coffee table. Yeah, <laughs> it was it was rough. Yeah, it, there were a couple real real scary points there. So yeah, um, I don't recommend it. I was actually scheduled to get my booster on Wednesday, ironically. Mm. So yeah. Oh, well, this is how it is. It played out how it did, and yeah. I'm just happy that I waited for Halloween to end. To fuck our shit up. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, it fucked up our podcast in the meantime. So <laughs> yeah, thanks for uh, being patient. We are finally here. We're ready to talk about Halloween. Yeah. So first, do you want to do movie reviews first or do mm-hmm. you want to do poll results first? Let's do movie reviews first. Okay. And we're going to have to do... So next week, we won't have poll results. We actually recorded next week's episode before this one. Yeah. Um, just because it was a guest recording with Robert Atone. And so we had that scheduled, and that was a little bit less flexible than when we could record this. Yeah, don't want to feel rushed doing this. I want us to be able to talk about each of these movies as much as we can or as much as we need to. So, yeah, this is just kind of how it worked out. But, yeah. Okay, so we stopped. We did Slumber Party Massacre was the last one we talked about on the podcast. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so on the 24th, we watched Final Destination 5. Yeah. That was my pick. We watched it on DVD. 
Mm-hmm. I love that one. I love that you don't um you get subtle hints as to the time frame of when it is, but yeah. that twist at the end gets me every time. Uh, uh, yeah, I mean everything that happens it's believable that it could happen today. Like even the cell phone, like I feel like probably in the 90s or like right around 2000, I don't think that um what's his face would have such a compact cell phone. Mm. He would probably have a Nokia. Mm, you know, but yeah, it is what it is. Like I like that movie a lot. I will die on the hill that there is not a single bad Final Destination nope. movie. Not even the 3D one. Not even the 3D one. Don't look at the 3D effects and just watch the movie for the movie. Exactly. You will enjoy it. Yep. Um, then we watched on the 25th, we watched Friday the 13th, part 3 3D. Yeah. That was Trav's pick. It was on our... um. Blu-ray. Yeah, our box, box set. set. I wanted to watch that because we got to actually interact with some of the part three people at mm-hmm. Scarefest. Um, and yeah, it's cool. Like having met them and then seeing them in the movie. It's yeah. a whole different experience. I liked it. Yeah. Um, the 26th, we watched Urban Legend. Oh, yeah. It was my pick. It was on DVD. Um, I forget exactly why I picked it, but um, I just, I never get sick of that movie. It's I love a, it. It's a classic in this house. It is. Probably not to other people. Um, 27th was Trav's pick. It was a new movie for us. It was Perfect mm. Blue. Yeah. Um, that On Shutter. That's been one that I've been wanting to watch for a long, long time. Yes. It got its streaming debut on Shutter um, in October. So, no, September. And I really wanted to take advantage of that. And uh, I'm really, really happy that we watched it. And uh, Jesse was uh, skeptical because the last animated Shudder movie I chose was Mad God. And if you love it, more power to you. Yeah, but we were not was, fans. Yeah, we were not the target audience for that. Yeah. Um, okay, on the 28th, we watched Midsummer. Yay. That was my pick. I was on our Blu-ray. So we got the director's cut. Yeah. Um. I mean, it's just a classic in our house. I, I choose it at least once every October, so. We watch it multiple times a year. Yeah. I am always shocked that that movie came out in 2019. Or 2020. 2019. 2019. Yeah, yeah. Um, on the 29th, Trav picked the last drive-in version of Ginger Snaps. Yeah. Which we actually just talked about this in our uh, recording with Robert, but it's such a good movie. It's such, it's like one of the best werewolf movies there is. I don't generally like those types of movies, but Ginger Snaps is an almost perfect movie in my book. Um, On the 30th uh, was my pick. I wanted a new one. We went to Pluto and watched Idle Hands. Oh, yeah. That movie was so much fucking fun. I can't believe we've never seen it before. Yes, Idle Hands is like a fun-ass movie. I can't believe it. It's a good time. It's funny. It's It's got Devin Sawa, Seth Green, and Foggy from Daredevil. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And a couple of other people. I I can't remember most of the other people in that movie, but that's just a fun movie. It's ridiculous, but it knows it is, and it just plays it to its fullest yeah i love it it's so much fun um and then on halloween i wrote down every single movie we watched throughout the day okay we had a lot yeah um halloween 1978 which we watched on 4k mm-hmm. scream 1996 which we watched on 4k mm-hmm. halloween uh, 2 <laughs> um shit, the scream factory version on yeah 4K. yeah yeah trick-or-treat uh-huh which they took off the day before halloween on Rude. hbo yeah, yeah. Um, so we rented it on Prime. Yeah. 
Um, then we watched Halloween 2018 on 4K. <laughs> so we are who we are. Yeah. Um, I own the whole, we own the whole series yeah. on physical media. Of course, we're going to watch it on that. <laughs> then we watched Breaking Dawn Part 1. Oh, God, yeah. On Blu-ray. That's what gave us COVID. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care. That's my favorite one of the I whole know. Twilight Saga. It's so, so over the top. It is. That's the one where he imprints on a baby. Yeah, Take I've that got... As you will. I've got... <laughs> footage of travis realizing that for the first time <laughs> oh boy um and then we close out the night with the sci-fi version of truth or dare yeah which is currently available on youtube don't know how on the up and up that is but you know uh yeah that's a fun sci-fi movie we've talked we'll talk yeah. about that one someday on the show for Eventually. sure but yeah it was a it's a good uh 31 Days of horror movies for us. It was. I, I liked our theme where we did a new one and an old one. That way we had a lot of new stuff mixed in with classics. It's a good way to do it. I recommend a lot of people do that. Uh-huh. That way you don't feel like you're missing out. Uh, all right, cool. Well, let's uh, do a little bit of our poll results real quick before mm-hmm. we get into the movie. So, uh, last. We left you guys with Rob Zombie's Halloween 2. Yes. And after finishing that timeline, we wanted to know, which Loomis is your favorite Loomis? Mm -hmm. So on Instagram, 32% are into Angry Loomis, which is the original Loomis. Yeah. Uh, This is default. Yeah. (laughs) 32%. We're into Giggly Loomis, which is the one that's like, hey, Lonnie, get your ass away from there. Or the one drinking and singing with the preacher in Halloween 4. Exactly. You know, when he's just merry, he's a merry old man. (laughs) 32% was into Groovy Loomis from Rob Zombie. (laughs) I went, uh, we did an improv, impromptu Halloween costume for trick-or-treaters on Halloween. I did a combination of Groovy Loomis with... uh, Halloween for Loomis's facial scars, thanks to Jesse. Yeah. She did a good job helping me get that. Uh, and 5% is into Diva Loomis. Okay. Uh, Twitter. We have 44% into Angry Loomis, 31% into Giggly Loomis, 0% Groovy Loomis. Oh, no. Groovy Loomis is the best Loomis. Aside from the original Loomis. 25%. Liked Diva Loomis. Diva I, Loomis had a lot of love on Twitter. I was gonna say I I like Diva Loomis because it's so I. It retains that spirit of like hot headedness in the original Angry Loomis, mm-hmm. while also getting like a taste of his own medicine. Yeah, yeah, he gets served hard <laughs> in that whole movie. Uh, I don't think he catches a single victory that entire time. No. It just ends with him dying. <laughs> That's it. All right. That was our polls. Um, so sorry we're not going to have one for next week, but uh, we'll have two with our uh, one after that. The uh, Changeling. The Changeling, yeah. With Mike Thompson. So be on the lookout for that one. But let's go ahead and talk about Halloween 2018. So this movie came out October 19th. 2018 yeah i know right it came out in october not june or july like some of the others have oh i was making a joke about halloween 2018 coming out in 2018 no well yeah no (laughs) of course um it could be like jason x i mean that movie like takes place in the future 
That doesn't have a date in it. What the fuck am I talking about? Yeah, I was waiting to see the connection there. Oh. You didn't make uh, it. You didn't, you didn't <laughs> stick the landing. Whoopsie. Well, moving on. <laughs> we watched this on our 4K, as we said. Um, it's available in the U.S. as of uh, today. On You can stream it on DirecTV. If you have DirecTV, you can stream this one. Um, cool. If you don't have that, though, you have to rent it. Usual options, Apple, YouTube, uh, Amazon, Vudu, Redbox. All that stuff is like $4 to rent up. Okay. Um, it's written by David Gordon Green, Danny McBride. Yes, Danny McBride, the comedian. And Jeff Fraidley. Okay. Uh, directed by David Gordon Green. Music is by John Carpenter, his son Cody Carpenter, and Daniel A. Davies. Cody, Cody, Cody Carpenter, Carpenter. CC. <laughs> uh, special effects makeup. There's like a whole team that worked on this, but I pulled the main person that seems to be credited. Also, the guy that um, is, um, he receives the credit for the mask in this, Christopher Nelson. Okay. Uh, this film stars Jamie Lee Curtis returning as Laurie Strode <laughs> once again. Judy Greer, who plays Karen. Annie Manichak plays Allison. Halleck Bill Jenner plays Dr. Sartain or Numis. Will Patton plays Officer Hawkins. Okay. Toby Huss plays Ray. Dylan Arnold plays Cameron. James Jude Courtney is Michael Myers. And also Nick Castle has a little bit of Michael Myers going on in here. Yeah, he's um he's until Michael gets his mask. Uh no. That's James Jude Courtney. Uh, he's Michael when he, uh, whenever Lori sees him staring through the mirror from like the, uh, I thought that was Nick Castle up on the top of the roof too at the beginning. Um, in the beginning? Yeah. The top of the roof in the beginning. Yeah. At the, at Smith's Grove. Is that the top of the roof? I thought it was. I thought it was like a big courtyard that they had. That was a courtyard on the top of the roof. No, I think that's James Jude Courtney because <laughs> he plays him like the entire time, okay. even whenever he's maskless. I um, really thought. I really thought. Okay, I had that wrong. Nah, I, I, what I would have thought it would have been actually would have been like whenever he um like w- he's fighting a warrior at the end of the movie and he goes onto the balcony to look down. That would have mm. been a good moment for him because it's like a callback. But no, it's um I'm pretty sure it's just whenever like they make that eye contact with the mirror. And he also does the voice, like the breathing, stuff like that. Okay. He was like a consultant, too. Like He basically was like, this is what how Michael is. This is how I did it. Uh, so, yeah. James Jude Courtney did a good job as Michael on this, by the way. Really I did. really like his Michael. All right, Jesse. Budget or bug tip? Budget. Yeah? It's one of the few, like, budget Blumhouse movies. That's true. Um, yes, this is budget. However, I think it's funny that this came out like 10 years later and they have less money than Rob Zombie's movies did. Um, I did confirm, by the way, that both uh, the original like Halloween tw- uh, 2007 remake and then the sequel, uh, Halloween 2, they both had the same budget. I remember okay. before I said $30 million for the first one. That's not true. They both had 15 Combined, he had $30 million for okay. the whole thing. Um, this one had $10 million. So it's still... So that's like barely meets my criteria for what counts as budget but it's there yeah and like uh like if you take into account inflation for like 10 years it's a considerable difference compared to what they gave rob zombie which is kind of surprising yeah taking a sip of my coffee sorry all right 
This movie did incredibly well in the box office, though. Made $76 million. Get dang. I wish I could make $76 million. That was uh, just the opening, though. Opening weekend, $76 million, which is pretty crazy, right? Yeah. Uh, worldwide gross, $255 million. Jesus Christ. Yeah, people were excited to see Halloween again. It had been a while, honestly. Yeah. Like almost 10 years since we had anything. And the last one we had was Halloween 2. Well, I do feel better about that one. Um, a lot of people had a sour taste after that. Yeah. So somebody was, uh, people well, were eager for a good one again. And people were really excited too because this was starting yet another timeline. Um, yeah. And it was going to be a direct sequel to the original 1978. However, I feel like that was a loss on a lot of people. Yeah. But I think a lot of people were really excited to see Jamie Lee Curtis back. Oh, for sure. That was a big, big draw. Um, IMDb, 6.5. Really? Yeah, it's not that great, right? Um, I mean, it's good, but like, I you would think it would be like a seven. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Like, I don't know how people feel about this one generally. Like, I think a lot of people like this one, but I don't know about like at the time. Like, I think at the time it had a pretty good reception. Uh, I don't think people started turning on it until the other movies started coming out, and they like kind of judged it as a whole yeah. trilogy. Yeah. Well, okay. It, I do agree with that. I, it, my feelings on it do change when I put it together I with the rest of the trilogy. Yeah, mine do too. But on its own is how I'm going to talk about it today. Yeah, okay. Yeah, that's fair, I guess. Because we haven't just because we haven't covered the other two. Yeah, true. Uh, okay, so I got three movies that came out that same year, 2018. <laughs> <laughs> First one is another remake. Oh boy, Suspiria. Oh. Another 70s movie remake. Um, I, this one I chose because of that, but also there's another connection that I discovered when I was doing my deep red research. Um, David Gordon Green was originally supposed to direct this movie. Oh, really? Yeah. And then I don't know what happened along the way, but he wasn't the director. He went on to Halloween and, uh, yeah, that's how it is. So he, um, they released this one November 2nd, 2018. I don't know why I keep saying 2018. Obviously, it's 2018. So November 2nd, it came out. Had a budget of 20 million, worldwide gross of 7.9 million. Yeah. Now, this is one I don't know if it had a wide release because it was produced by Amazon, and I think that they were like making it for the streaming service. That makes sense. I don't know if it was meant to be like released theatrically. So that could be the big difference there. But it has a 6.7 on IMDb. Uh, next up, I have a movie that you really enjoy. You put this one on pretty often. It is Hellfest. Oh, I do like Hellfest. Yeah, it's another Halloween-themed movie, it's a, too. It's a fun one. Um, pretty simple. Like, just, I don't know. It's, it's straightforward. Yeah, like, you have fun with it. You don't have to think too hard. Yeah, it's not. It's just like a popcorn movie, I think. Yeah. Kind of one of those. It's just, it is what it is. And those are important in the world. Yeah, I mean, you know, not everything has to be super deep and meaningful. Like, sometimes you can just have fun with the movie. That one had a budget of $5.5 million. That's um, honestly more than I would have thought. <laughs> I know, right? Oh, and it came out uh, September 28th. Um, worldwide gross, $18 million. Okay. So not too bad. Has I'm a pretty 5. sure we 5. saw that in theaters. We did. We saw that in theaters. Uh, we've seen all of, them, all of these on here in except theaters, for except Suspiria. for Suspiria. So that's like a hint for the next one. Uh, 5.5 on IMDb. Okay. All right. The final movie. 
Here's another one that did pretty, pretty good in the box pretty, office. Pretty good. It is A Quiet Place. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, that was a big movie at the time. Uh, that came yeah. out. <laughs> it came out April 6th. Had a budget of $17 million and uh, worldwide gross $340 million. Wowie. That movie, I can't believe that movie had such a good reception. I'm not saying it's a bad movie, but like, I can't believe that this movie had such a wide appeal to people. I think it's because it's one of those that it's barely horror. You know what I mean? Like, it can be seen in a couple different genres. Yeah, but like... It's a quiet movie. Like, it's a quiet place. And then, like, in the movie, it's actually very quiet. Like, hardly any audio the entire time. And I don't know, like, if a general... I mean, I obviously they do, but I, I wouldn't have expected a general audience to be, like, into that as a uh, as a thing. Yeah. I mean, we went to that. Surprisingly, we didn't have any assholes in our theaters. But that's, like... That's a movie that is not made for a theater mm-hmm. experience, honestly. Like, yeah. if you're expecting your audience, if you're asking your audience to be quiet the entire time, like, that's a tough ask because people can't fucking keep their mouth shut at yeah, the movie theater Yeah, but Jim anymore. Krasinski asked really nicely. Yeah, did he? Did he? I don't know, did he? <laughs> Uh, eh. <laughs> you're being really aggressive right now <laughs> I that was a movie that I felt awkward chewing on popcorn I know I chewed so slowly I know but that's the thing too because <laughs> like, when you chew slowly you're still making sound you're just making sound more drawn out <laughs> like it's not doing anything to speed it up so yeah that has a 7.5 on IMDb I feel like that's too high I we have refused to watch the sequel because I stand by the fact that that movie did not need a sequel and yeah. I don't need to see the sequel and I haven't heard a single good thing about it like here's the thing I didn't hate the movie I just I also didn't like it didn't don't, blow me away it didn't me either like I don't have a desire to rewatch it yeah honestly it's just like oh it was okay you know it's yeah just, like it's it not anything it bad about it and i mean like if i said a group of people and like, let's put it on a quiet place i'd be like okay i guess Why? but like <laughs> it's not like we're sitting around and be like yo bro put it on quiet place yo you know what i've been wanting to watch <laughs> forever quiet place yeah. it's just it just i don't know it's not not our jam no it's not our jam that's pretty much it i can see i understand why people like it yeah um, I do too. and it's got a lot of moments that i enjoyed um and it's got like one of my favorite moments to laugh at what is <laughs> well is it whenever john krasinski screams at the end yeah. it's because he hasn't talked in a long time and he forgot how to scream i feel like they could have done a take where he doesn't sound like a muppet though john krasinski is a muppet jesse come on that's just how it is that's the only way he could get a, like a role like this he's like i have to write and direct this shit <laughs> To be able to, like, people won't let me scream in movies. Like, I gotta. <laughs> it's like, look, I promise I'm writing a movie where I don't talk the entire time. Just let me scream in the end. <laughs> like, no, John, we can't do it. I was like, I gotta make this myself. <laughs> okay. I got four taglines. Oh, boy. Yeah. Oh, boy. Yeah, this is a Halloween movie, DGG baby. DGG, keep up the tradition. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. All right. So the one that's on the poster, the main one. It's uh, face your fate. Meh. Yeah, I mean, that's my thing with this movie and this series is they're all like, yeah, it's the fate. Michael and Lori, they're fated to be with each other. In mm. this one, it makes sense. 
No. No, it does in this one. It changes the meaning of what he's doing changes each movie yes. even more more and more each movie it, like they like just go away from that yeah i i think you know i think that might have been their intention when they were making this look this these movies are okay like if people like them but um you can't fucking tell me david gordon green had a and danny mcbride i'm i'm looking at you too danny um, you guys did not have a cohesive um, trilogy put together when you guys started this. Yeah, I don't. Was it actually initially planned as a trilogy? They initially, when they pitched this, they had two movies. Okay. And um, they decided to just make one movie because they weren't sure what the reception would be with this one. So they just did that. And uh, obviously it killed. People loved it and it made a lot of money. So Blumhouse is like, all right, make two more. And, uh, you know, they could have continued with this, but man, like this movie, all three of the movies in the trilogy are just different movies and they don't gel as a trilogy at all. Yeah. And I mean, you could loosely put together an overarching thesis for them. I see that. Um, Just like on trauma. That's it. Yeah. That's the only thing that like brings them together. Everything else story characters it's it all changes every single movie mm-hmm. and that sucks but you know we'll get more into that as we talk about these sequels all right next one 40 years later evil returns home that one's okay are you fucking kidding me evil returns <laughs> home. oh my god look they're about they're trying they're setting up the bones for evil dies tonight evil's returning home tonight well, they were also like, you know, it. they were like, well, we can't say the night he came home yeah. and they can't say the night he came home again. So 40 years later, he comes home again. <laughs> Once more. <laughs> <laughs> again. <laughs> that would have been in line. I would have liked it because it's like a typical shitty Halloween tagline. All right. Number three. You don't believe in the boogeyman? You should. All right. No. Mm. No. Don't like it. That's too wordy. And uh, no, I just don't like it. Isn't that, doesn't Lori like verbatim say that at one point? Yeah, she does. That's like a quote from Lori. Like whatever. Uh, Okay. And the fourth and final, trick or treat. Dumb. That's so dumb. It doesn't make any sense. Doesn't do anything with the movie. Like, yeah, it's Halloween. I mean, like there's a scene with trick or treaters, but like, no, just no. This movie doesn't really have any good taglines. I'm sorry. Okay, so on to our fun facts. Okay. As always with Halloween, we do a little game of what could have been. <laughs> uh, I don't know if that's going to be the case with the next two movies because they have like the actual same director throughout this time. Yeah. Um, but here we go. So um, as you talked about last time, they were working on the sequel to Halloween 2, Rob Zombie's Halloween 2. Uh, it's going to be Halloween 3D. Um, but... It was on and off production throughout the time. Um, Excuse me. I'm so sorry. Uh, At one point, our buddy Josh Stolberg was brought back in. He was uh, tasked to revise a draft of uh, Halloween Asylum, which kind of... I want a Josh Stolberg written Halloween installment. He's He's got it. You know, Halloween Asylum. I, I guess that that would have been in line with what they were going with with Halloween 3 because it's going to take place in Smith's Grove, I think. But, uh, okay. 
Uh, but anyways, yeah. So uh, in 2013, uh, Weinstein, he mm-hmm. insisted that they make 3D, and they make Halloween 3D a found footage movie. Uh, this is all because of the popularity of paranormal activity that was going on. I mean, they already kind of tried that with Resurrection. They kind of did, yeah. But, I mean, this one would have been straight up found footage, Oof. which for a Halloween movie, that doesn't work, if you ask me. Uh, but then, after that, um, let's see. Oh, yeah, it de- that whole movie died whenever Todd Farmer, which was the guy that was going to work on 3D, he pitched that they make a mockumentary of uh, a deranged fan killing the actors on the set of the making of a Halloween movie. 13 Fanboy. I was thinking the same thing. It's basically 13 (laughs) Fanboy, which that was directed by somebody that was in the Friday 13th, uh, Pam Voorhees. Not Pam. Deborah Voorhees. Pam Voorhees is the mom. Deborah Voorhees, yeah. Uh, But yeah, I mean, they. if you want to see that, just watch 13 Fanboy, I guess. We haven't watched that yet. It's yeah, on Tubi, though. It's on Tubi. Yeah, so I kind of want to watch it just out of curiosity. Uh, but yeah, so that got killed on the scene whenever they brought that up. I think the, the writing was on the wall. That movie was not happening. Uh, okay, then reboot talks began in 2012. Uh, they were going to work on a movie called Halloween like this one. They had Patrick Melton and Marcus Dunstan. <gasps> Working on that. That's um, our other favorite writer duo. I know, oh right? My God. Uh, they those are the guys that are responsible for the collector collection series. Uh, they did a couple of Saw movies. Uh, um, Pilgrim. Pilgrim. Yeah, and uh, yeah, they have, they have a pretty solid little filmography there. Um, uh, so yeah, they started uh, working in 2015 on a recalibration rather than a reboot. Um, it was going to be called Halloween Returns. It's going to be set in 1988. Michael escapes execution because of a power surge, and he goes on a rampage in Russellville. Wow. All right. It would have been kind of cool. Uh, that one kind of died, though, uh, because um, they said that there were, like, differences, but, like, what really killed it, apparently, was uh, Akkad basically did not want them. They wanted to film it in Serbia. And he's like, Serbia is not going to make a good Haddonfield. Yeah. Which, that's fair, you know? Like, if it's interiors, sure. But exteriors, I don't think you're going to get the same vibe. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, next up, Dimension lost the rights after all this because they failed to make a movie. And it transferred back to Miramax. So Miramax and Blumhouse decided to partner up. Uh, I guess because Blumhouse had such huge success with horror movies at this time, because, mm-hmm. you know, Paranormal Activity, they had all kinds of other stuff. The Purge, I think, was going on at this point, Man, too. They, they were on a they roll. They struck at the right time. Like, they they were like, hey, we're going to take a chance, and it... Yeah. I like, I like that they can do what they can do with horror movies now. I do, too. Um, you know, they give them... They give people small budgets, but you know what? At least they're letting people do shit. They give people small budgets. They get big returns. And honestly, like, generally, if it's, like, from Blumhouse, I'm going to be like, yeah, I'll watch it. Yeah. I mean, me too. I mean, a lot of people like to shit on Blumhouse, but, like, I don't really. I mean, it's kind of what we were talking about with Hellfest. Like, they make a lot of popcorn horror movies, you know, just fun stuff. Yeah. It doesn't have to be, like, super A24 art house shit. I'm not going to call it elevated horror. Fuck that term. Uh, So, yeah. Blumhouse entered the picture. They, uh... They were going to co-finance a movie. Um, at the same month that this happened, they originally contacted Mike Flanagan to come in and direct this movie. 
I like Mike Flanagan. Um, and I think, I think he could have done a good Halloween movie. I just also think it would have totally been like very different from <clears throat> what David Gordon Green gives us. All right, I'll tell you what his Halloween movie was going to be. Oh, so I'm, I, I'm not even thinking about ideas. I'm just thinking about tone. Oh, well, you've seen this movie. Oh. Um, he uh, basically likened his uh, pitch for Halloween. It's basically, it's Hush. He made Hush out of it. Oh, okay. Yeah, so uh, that kind of could have been interesting if that was a Halloween movie. I don't know. I could have, maybe I would have liked that movie. Which I'm in the middle. Uh, well, you, the thing that pissed you off about Hush was he took off his mask too. Yeah, well, if they make Michael take off his mask in that movie, yeah, I'm going to be pissed. You know what? If that happens, fuck that movie. But <laughs> I shouldn't have said anything. Oh, my God. No, that, that, that fucking... No, God, no. I'm not talking about that right now. No, Hush pissed me off hardcore. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's so aggressive. <laughs> sorry, you awakened the beast. Um... Okay, um, I've been watching, um, I'm finally getting to Midnight Club on uh, Netflix, which I'd been wanting to watch it. I was just in the middle of watching something else before I could get to it, because um, I really liked the book when I was younger, and I think, I like, I like the show, so, I, and I like the way he sets up characters and tension and everything, mm -hmm. so. Uh, how far into it are you? Um, I think I'm on episode four, maybe? Okay. No, he's good. I like his stuff generally. I mean, some of his stuff, I, th I think he takes stuff a little bit too seriously sometimes. <laughs> like, he's he's good, but like, I don't know. I don't know if he would have been a good fit for Halloween. Uh, kind of like David Gordon Green. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, <laughs> it really just kind of depends on what you're going for with it. Yeah, David Gordon Green, by the way, he, like, before he did this, apparently he was known for, like, really art house type stuff, but he also did Pineapple Express. Um, he had, like, a weird filmography before <laughs> Uh, I mean, Jason Blum wanted him to do this. I watched like the special features for this movie on our 4K. Um, he had been trying to get David Gordon Green to make a movie for Blumhouse for a long time. And David kept passing on everything that he would offer him. So he finally offered him Halloween because like, you know, it's Halloween. And that's the one that actually grabbed his attention because like, I don't know. That's like, that's like a better property, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. No, I'm thinking about it now. You eat. Okay, no. I'm, I'm going to save some of this talk for Halloween ends. Okay. Because I'm going to really go into it with that. Anyways. Uh, so, yeah. I went to David Gordon Green. Uh, David had been collaborating with Danny McBride for a lot of movies. So, he uh, offered to, you know, work on it with him. Dave, uh, Danny McBride is like a huge horror fan, by the way. Like, you wouldn't know it from, like, what he does. But, yeah, he's pretty big in horror movies um they both pitched it to john carpenter um apparently when they were pitching the movie to him uh they like john carpenter got a phone call and his ringtone is the halloween theme <laughs> which when they heard that they're like holy shit okay this is like actually like it kind of intimidated them a little bit more <laughs> um but well, i feel like it'd be intimidating to pitch something to john carpenter anyway because he is like he's a no bullshit guy yeah i was gonna say his I don't want to call him a grumpy old man, but he's kind of a grumpy he's old man. He's a grumpy man. old man. Like, <laughs> he's, yeah, no, like. But I mean, he's earned his right to be a grumpy old can, man. You know what? Sure. Like, <laughs> I, I get it. <laughs> One of my favorite things about uh, him is I saw, um, I think it was another podcast that he was on. Surprisingly, he went on a podcast. I would never believe it. Mm -hmm. But uh, they were talking about like uh, him, like mingling with other big directors at the time. 
and um you know they were talking about like him and like cronenberg came up and um apparently him and cronenberg were like close for some time but like he just does not like him anymore because he thinks cronenberg is like too far up his own ass like he believes the hype about him because everybody talks about cronenberg being like the super deep director and writer and i think that he's starting to like you know drink his own poison he's like really into himself now and then i think john carpenter's like you know what nah like I think he's like we make fucking dumb movies. Like I I think that John Carpenter is actually blown away by people loving Halloween to the extent that they do. Because like anytime people ask him about, it, he's like, we just wanted to make a movie. Like <laughs> that's it. Like we just made a movie that day, and I guess, I guess it kind of is what it is. But people love it. Um. Yeah, they approved, uh, or he approved of their pitch, and uh, he went on to uh, be a consultant, did the music, all that stuff. Um. He wanted to be a little bit more involved because he was not really pleased with Rob Zombie adding a lot of backstory to the character, Okay. which was kind of funny because whenever Rob Zombie came to him, he's like, make your own movie. And Rob yeah. Zombie like did that. And he's like, no, not like that. <laughs> um, I mean, that was just the general public's reaction. Like, yeah, true. like, yes, Rob Zombie make a Halloween movie. And they're like, mm, but don't be Rob Zombie about it. Yeah. Well, I mean, okay. John Carpenter wanted to get a little bit more involved with the making of this one because he felt like he was saying all kinds of shit about all these other people's attempts at making the Halloween movie. And then like he's like, I kind of feel shitty because I'm on the sidelines over here not making these movies. I'm just talking shit about other people's. I need to get in there and like have a little bit of a hand in some of these too. So he kind of just went in. All right, so that's all I got for like the stuff before that. But like I got some other things originally karen you know um judy Greer's character they were gonna have that be jamie lloyd in the first draft um but uh they ended up changing it after like all of the rewrites that they did danielle harris you would think that she would be all on board for that because you know maybe she could come back but no she actually uh was against the idea of bringing jamie lloyd into that movie she wanted Lori to have like another kid like you know another timeline another stuff um and Final thing, this movie went through 80 drafts before they ended up finalizing a script. And they were doing rewrites up until the very last week of filming. Oh, my God. That would be obnoxious, like, if you were an actor on set, like, yeah. having the constant rewrites. Um, th- This is, I think, the thing that really ruins this trilogy. This is a common theme for every single movie that comes out after this. They are constantly rewriting things about it. All right. I'm sorry that I absolutely word dumped on everybody and you included. Um, I, uh, I don't know. I had a lot of stuff here. There's a lot of, there's a lot of went on behind the scenes and the build up to this and, and the making of, and I don't know. It's a lot of interesting stuff. I encourage a lot of people to like read into it because I didn't go into like full detail about everything, but yeah. So yeah, okay. that's all I got for my fun facts and stuff like that. So it's time to get into the movie talk. Okay. So, Jesse, what did you think of this one? I really, really liked this when it came out. And again, I am going to talk about this from a standpoint of it being a standalone movie. Mm-hmm. Um, Which that's how it was made at the time. Yeah. It was a standalone. It, things change when kills and ends come out. Um, but just this on its own, I really, really enjoyed it when it came out. I enjoyed this exploration of generational trauma. Because Lori was so messed up and she pushed that on to Karen. And then Karen was like, no, I'm going to go to therapy. I'm not going to let this control me. And then we've got um, 
uh, Allison, who is completely disconnected from all of that. Yeah. All she's heard is stories from her mom and then the occasional visits and phone calls she gets from her grandmother. She's completely disconnected from it. Um, and I think that's all portrayed really, really well. Yeah. And I think that is amazing. Yeah, they do a good job of that. Um, I love this idea of Michael coming back for Lori. And here's why. I don't think he actually... Okay, go ahead. Uh, well, no, in Kills, it definitely takes that away, which is part well, of... I think that they don't really do that in this one, too. Well, so here's the thing, is that the doctor is really trying to force them together. Yeah, exactly. Um, But Michael is game for it, and here's why. You're always saying that Michael loves to play with his victims. Yeah. It's all a game for him. Mm -hmm. I think Michael hates losing. Mm. And he went on that whole spree in 1978 and... He lost to Lori. Right. So he gets this opportunity to get out and um, win the rematch. Uh -huh. I love looking at it from that perspective. That Michael, like it's all a game to him and he hates to lose. I like that too. I think it makes it a lot more interesting that way. Yeah. Um, Which is why I said I don't like kills kind of. Yeah. It kind of, takes that yeah, away. It does. Um, But I, I just, I find it all really interesting. Um. I like all of the callbacks to other movies, even the ones that aren't canon in this universe. Yeah. I think that's fun. Um, I like Allison as a character. I think she holds her own. Um, she gets her own like introducing in this movie. Yeah. So I think that's cool. Um, Judy Greer is always great to see on screen. Um, we continue the legacy of awkward breakfast talk. Yeah. Oh, my God. Um, you're right. <laughs> Holy shit. I didn't even think about that when we were watching this. <laughs> um, I just overall, I think it's a really fun Halloween movie. It's updated for the times. It carries on a legacy really well, I think, uh -huh. as its own standalone. Um so I think that's the good. The bad. Um, again, like, I think it's hard to it's hard to discuss it as it's on standalone. Like the things I like about it, I like about it on its own. But then the bad things about it are bad because of what the follows up. Yeah. yeah. Uh -huh. I can see that. Well, oh. I mean, that's when you make a trilogy. I think that um, I mean, maybe this one wasn't as a concept uh, originally a trilogy but if it's the same director I think that you can give it that criticism I think it's fair like if somebody else took the reins after this movie then you would maybe you can maybe leave this movie alone because that person didn't plan on it but like he is responsible for all three he is responsible for that I think like I think deep down he probably did have those uh, seeds planted of what he was going to do with the future ones but um, I don't think you go right out the gate with that yeah. type of movie with a Halloween, like you gotta lure people in first and make yeah. them interested in like that experimental shit. Yeah. Uh yeah. So I just I don't know. I think that um I don't know. I really like a lot about this movie. That's fine. There's nothing I can necessarily point out as bad. The bad is stuff that happens afterwards. Yeah. That's fine. You can say that. I can get it. Um for a movie about legacy, its legacy gets tarnished. Okay. Um, yeah. The ugly is definitely fucking Cameron. Oh, uh, yeah. Um. So, I mean, if 
I don't know. Allison had a strong head on her shoulder. She wasn't willing to put up with this shit, which again, kills fucking runes that. Um, what do you expect from Milani's son? Right? Lonnie. It's fucking Milani's son. <laughs> of course he's going to be a shitbag. <laughs> um, and then the absurd... I mean... Like, look, I love that Lori is a badass and had this whole plan, but what contractor went out there and rigged her house right. for her? She didn't do How that did she herself. afford this? Yeah, she doesn't have a job. It doesn't seem like she's retired at this point. I don't know. She must have made some banging fucking money. Maybe she sued the city or something. I don't. Like, I don't know. Well, maybe people are paying her for, like, people. it's been 40 well, years, and it was one night, but people, like, are consistently asking her about Michael Myers. She's, like, true. getting paid for interviews and shit. It's true. They offered her money for the interview on the podcast. So. Yeah, $3,000. Yeah. Yeah, that's a lot. So, overall, I'm going to give it an 8 out of 10. 8? Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, so, yeah, I, um, I was really, really big on this movie whenever it first came out. I, um, I still do like this movie a lot. I um I just okay. So the good for this, I think that it's a good return mm-hmm. to form after having the Rob Zombie movies. Um I like that they abandoned a lot of the timeline. I like that they kept John Carpenter's original idea that Michael and Lori aren't sisters, um or sisters, siblings. aren't siblings. Um and I know like I I like the timelines where they are related to you know i don't have a problem with that personally but i like exploring the side of the story where they aren't because it's a different a different, different dynamic yeah a different dynamic like they don't have that like blood relation like that draw to each other that they do in that one that explains it they have to come up with a different reason for them to come together in this one because i mean michael and Lori, michael isn't seeking out Lori in this movie like it's just like they're put together and wh- I think whenever he does meet her, like I think he realizes and then that's whenever the whole thing kicks in where he's like, all right, I'm going to get my revenge now. But I don't think he like sought revenge. I don't think he sat at Smith's Grove for like 40 years, like planning this day. Um, The bad, I do think that I do like this Michael a lot. I think it was a little bit of essence of his character that I like. Um, this guy, this Michael is way more like, he's more aggressive. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't get as much of the stalking, the playfulness um, that we get in the original. Um, I like seeing Michael just kind of like work around in the background. You know, this one right here, whenever he sees his prey, he's like, he goes immediately. He does not really like linger around. So I I wish we had more of that. Um, The ugly, I would say, I don't really know, man. It's not really much ugly in this. I mean, I guess Cameron is shitty. Sartain's pretty shitty, too. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, I don't know. No, not much ugly in this, honestly. And uh, absurd. Um, I, I don't know, man. What is absurd about this movie? I'm going to say the dancing kid. The kid that just wants to go dancing and then he dies. Dancing kid. The kid, yeah. Oh, yeah, Lumpy. Yeah, it's just absurd that they're like, yeah, Lumpy. First of all, his name's Lumpy. And then I think that's like, his dad's nickname for him. Well, okay. And then his dad's like, let's go hunting, boy. And he's like, I don't want to hunt, dad. I just want to dance. I wish you would understand that. And then he dies. Sad. It's sad. 
So, all right, that's all I got for that. Um, I do like this movie, so I think that I'm going to keep it right there with you. I'm going to give it an eight. Okay. I think it's a pretty pretty firm eight in my books. All right. Starting average of eight. All right. So let's go on into this one. All right. So it starts off with a bunch of oh. podcasters. Oh, no. Oh, no. What? My handwriting was not very good this night, and this was a week ago. So okay, bear well, with me on my notes. No, no, I'm excited for that, but thankfully I, we know this movie pretty well. Uh, so a bunch of podcasters decide to go to Smith Grove. Now nah, they're doing a whole story. They're like a true crime investigative <laughs> podcast. They're doing a story on Michael Myers. What do you got? Clock, interviews, eyeballs, cameras, podcasting. There we go. That tells you everything you need to know about this scene. <laughs> Um, they're talking to Dr. Sartain. Uh, he's taking over Michael at the sanitarium. So uh, they're wanting to interview him. He was Loomis's student. Yeah. And then ended up taking over Michael's care. Um, he's seen around 50 clinical psychiatrists mm-hmm. in his time. Nobody's able to talk to him. Which I like that they've brought in multiple yeah. doctors. Um, but they lead him out into the little... Um, I thought this was a nice little bit because the the facility was talking about how they have um, a good amount of freedom here. They get fed well. They have exercise out in the yard. And then they lead the podcasters out into this courtyard where the, um, I don't know if you, because it's a psychiatric prison right basically yeah, uh-huh. um so i don't know if you'd call them inmates or patients or resident i don't know what i think the it's term, a little bit what the right terminology would be for them but you see all of these individuals in chains in the courtyard so yeah what exercise are they getting like they just get to walk in circles basically yes. like, so that's that's a, that's a nice little like tongue-in-cheek moment that yeah, they have with it's that. like what i picture is imagine like the chain chomp they're ba- basically like chain mm-hmm. chomps like they're like they got a stake in the ground and a chain and that's all they can do um, there's a man with an umbrella named Tivoli who is very into shoelaces and I wish that came back in kills in some <laughs> way or how. If you pay attention to some of these people, they do come back in kills, by the way. Um. Or one of them at least. Um, so the podcaster approaches Michael. He's basically taunting him. He's like trying to get a rise out of him, asking about worry. Um, he reveals that he has his mic because, or Mike, he has his mask because he has a friend um, in high places, I don't know how he was able to get this mask from somebody. You would imagine that this would be locked away somewhere. I think this guy just tends to bribe people a lot. Yeah, I guess that's the case. Yeah, um, he holds up the mask for Michael. Um, as this is happening, all of these people in the courtyard start freaking out. I hate this. This is such a stereotype of like even people with severe mental illness who commit crimes. Like this just feels so stereotypical. Like they're just. They're just people. Yeah, they're not like, you get this guy going, Figaro, like what? Like, like, what is that supposed to be? Like, are you, like, what are you trying to say about these people? These aren't, they're just people. They just have, like, mental disabilities. If you went to a facility like this and you were antagonizing the guy that doesn't talk, there would be somebody the next square over that would be like, yo, Michael doesn't like to talk. You're better off just, like, cutting your losses. Like, that's 
the actual interaction you yeah, could expect. No, this is like somebody, this is so over the top. It's like, yeah, so Mike was at a place with crazy people. And then it's like the most like yeah. generic right. idea of a guy has an umbrella and a guy is like over here with glasses on saying Figaro over it's like fucking well, rude. Yeah, like I just don't get it. It's stupid. I th- I hate, I don't really like this opening, honestly, to begin with, because like you get the dramatic dun, 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 dun. Like, I don't know. I, I do like that we then cut into the opening credits and it's the pumpkin like rotting in reverse. Dude, the the, the credits are great. Uh, yeah, I, I love that. Um, okay, so the podcasters track down where Lori lives and they go over the intercom. Trying they to call get Michael an animal, so they've mm-hmm. bought into Loomis's bullshit. Yeah. Um. Lori's not interested, but they offer $3,000 and then she buzzes them in, which, sure. And I I like that the dude is like, real journalists don't have to pay for their interviews. And she's like, whatever, we're doing a fucking podcast. Yeah, I know. (laughs) Um, So Lori is uh, very jaded about what insights can be discovered from what happened. Um, I would imagine she's probably fed up with it because it's been 40 years and people won't shut the fuck up about it. Well, and especially because these dudes come to her house. They ask all these questions and they're like, by the way, remember how your daughter was taken away from you? You never got custody back, right? Yeah. And then she calls them and she's like, yeah, it didn't. But you know all this, don't you? And then she kicks them out. Yeah, but she makes sure she gets her money first. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, good for her. Yeah. I fucking love Lori in this movie. <laughs> um, Toby Huss, Rat Trap, Marsh Fluff to Peanut Butter. Um, yeah. He's swapping out the Rat Traps from Marshmallow Fluff to Peanut Butter. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, w- I want to remind everybody, by the way, this is the uh, voice actor of Khan and King of the Hill. So um, surprisingly, yeah. But... Um, so Allison is getting inducted into the Honor Society that evening, um, and her parents are going to meet Cameron Elon, Lonnie Elon's son. Um, her dad used to do peyote, peyote with him. Yeah. I, I. This is the beginning of one of my favorite jokes in this whole series because it picks up in the next movie. Uh, yeah, he's like, yeah, fucking Lonnie, I used to do peyote with him. Yeah, he sold peyote. That's yeah. what he says. Um, he goes, oh, man, I got peanut butter on my penis. What? How? Why? People cringe at this line all the time, but I actually think it's funny. It's like, oh, man, I got peanut butter on my penis. I like, I don't know. It's a weird thing to say to your family, especially with your daughter present. Here's the thing, because like, it sounds like it's directly on his penis, and he probably means it's on the crotch of his pants. That's what he means. Which leads me in my brain, why not say there's peanut butter on my crotch? But then I think if like I drop something on my shirt... I'm not going to say, oh, man, I dripped salsa on my chest. I'm going to say, oh, man, I got salsa on my titties, even if it's not on my bare titty. Yeah, no, I will. You know what I mean? Uh, (laughs) Somebody with a penis, I wouldn't say. If I dropped it on my pants, I wouldn't be like, oh, man, I got it on my penis. I would be like, oh, man, I got it on my pants. It's almost the same. Almost, but not. (laughs) There's a little bit. I'm given like a little bit of imagination. Where on the pants? I don't know. (laughs) You don't know either. <laughs> Come find out. <laughs> uh, so yeah, um, yeah, and um, I think uh, Allison's like, "All right, um, are Did you going to invite, invite grandmother?" Yeah, and she's like, "Yeah, yeah." Um, but she says she can't make it, 
and it's a lie yeah it's a lie which we find out as she's walking to school with her friends um because she was like well i called her and my mom never spoke to her about it and then she clears up a lot of the rumors she's like no they were never um related it was just a rumor somebody started this is a Um, great way to like get that into the script without it being like very in your face about it it's mm -hmm. just like yeah no they weren't related it's just a myth that people made up around town um and uh, her one friend is like, if I was your family, I'd just like skip straight over to Christmas, which later when Judy Kerr's wearing a Christmas sweater <laughs> yeah. is like a cute little <laughs> call to that. Yeah. Uh, so uh, Allison's in class and it's the well, callback. We see, we see Cameron and Oscar in the hall oh, and they're yeah. bros. Yeah, Cameron. And I always love the bro moment. It's funny that we were talking about Foggy and Idle Hands earlier. Um because this guy looks like foggy. I don't me. see it. I see it. This guy looks just like him. He's got the same head shape. Either way. So, yeah, they're bros. Um, I guess they're going to go to the dance later. And, uh, you know, all of that. So they're going to have a dance that they go to later. Uh, it cuts to Allison in class, basically recreating the scene from the original with Lori in class, where she looks out the window and sees Michael. But this time, when Allison looks out, she sees Lori doing the exact same thing that Michael did. Uh, she goes to meet her and Lori gives her the money and tells her to go on a vacation, get a piercing, whatever, have yeah. fun with it. And um, Allison calls her out and being too afraid to live her life and missing out on her family. Yeah. Um, and Lori uh, comes back to Lori's house. She's like having target practice. So she's gone like on this whole doomer thing where she's like doomsday prepping for the day that Michael comes out. Um, she finds out that Michael is transferring uh, facilities, so they're taking him away from Smith's Grove to another place, and she plans to um, go and, I guess, like follow along just to make sure nothing funny happens along the way. She's in her car drinking, which is a bad call since she's going to be driving. Mm-hmm. Um, so at dinner, Ray is talking about um, <laughs> drugs with Lonnie. Yeah. Um, Lori's late and she gobbles up some wine and she's crying and there's all kinds of family drama. And okay. This is a thing that I kind of have a problem with. And I know it's kind of just like a reference. Like she's like, I saw him. I saw the shape. Like, why is she calling him the shape? Because like it's Michael Myers. I think it's called the shape in the credits or in the original because like John Carpenter just had the idea. Like he's just the shape of evil. Mm-hmm. But like, is that how she's taking it to? Like, I I don't know. I just felt like too, just too in your face. Yeah. For my taste. All right. Anyways, so she's freaking out. Um, all this trauma is being discussed. I guess it's kind of embarrassing to Allison because Cameron's there. She's a. Uh, I get the impression that this is like first impressions. They're all meeting Cameron for the first time. Um, and she's like abandoned, tracking Michael. So. We cut to um, Lumpy and his dad. They're driving Mm -hmm. down the road, and um, they stumble across a bus that has wrecked and all kinds of people just walking around the road. Um, Lumpy's dad gets concerned, so he decides to go investigate, and uh, he never returns. So Lumpy decides to get out of the truck to go check things out himself. Yeah, well, he'd been calling 911, too. Yeah. Yeah. as Lumpy's out there, he finds one of the police officers, and he, uh, I think he's already dead or he's dying. 
Um, then he goes, he grabs his well, gun. He tells him to run. Yeah, okay. He grabs, so Wumpy grabs his gun and instead of run, he goes into the bus. And as he peeks inside there, Sartain like jumps out. He's like, don't shoot. <laughs> like He like jumps out. And then of course, Wumpy's going to shoot because like, it's like a, ah. <laughs> um, and yeah, Sartain gets shot right there, which, you know, at this point, we're not supposed to say fuck this guy. But yeah, fuck that guy. I think he had it coming. Uh, and then he goes back to the truck, and as he goes into the truck, Michael is hiding in the backseat, and he kills him. Yep. Um, Hawkins is at the crash site, um, and he finds Sartain alive somehow. Yeah, uh, he's just badly hurt. You know, he, he didn't get like a fatal shot on him, so thank God. All right. Um, October 31st, it's Halloween. Uh, the podcasters are at Judith Meyer's gravesite. Um, Jesse noticed that on this moment right here that this is the woman that um, is in Halloween drone? Kills, the drone yeah, lady. Yeah, she's in all three movies. So that's kind of cool. Her. I did not catch that at all before. Um, as they're at the gravesite, Michael is kind of in the background just stalking them. So there, we do get a little bit of stalking here. I like that Michael goes to his sister's gravestone every time he's in town. It's pretty Just sweet. Just pays respects. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Love and respect. <laughs> uh, so they um, they decide to leave. And uh, when they do, they stop at a gas station slash mechanic shop. I wrote hmm. rest stop. Rest stop. Whatever. Um, yeah. Convenient. So uh, we get uh, a place for Michael to get his mask and his jumpsuit, of yeah. course. Yeah. Um, the girl decides to go to the loo, as she calls it. She's British. Yeah, British. She's British. British. Um, and uh, the guy goes into the uh, place to just pay for gas or whatever. Um, as this is going on, you can see in the background, Michael's in the mechanic shop killing one of the mechanics. Yeah. Um, he loves to kill mechanics in the background. Yeah. So as um, the woman is in the bathroom, this is one of my favorite scenes in the movie. She's just kind of in there, and this is kind of, I think this is a callback to H2O. Oh, definitely. Because uh, he goes in, like, somebody walks into the bathroom, and Michael's kind of just going, checking all the stalls, and then he keeps trying to open hers. And then he and, drops some teeth. Yeah, that's so creepy, man. Like, he just drops teeth over the stall, and then she obviously starts to freak out and tries to crawl out. Um, the podcaster guy... I guess They're he Dana hears. and Aaron. Dana, I finally okay. have their names in my notes right here. Dana and Aaron. So, uh, Aaron, or Dana. No, Aaron. Here's Dana screaming. Yeah, he bursts in to try and save the day. Gets his face smashed. Uh, and Dana does, do, does nothing to try and help him. No, she doesn't. Yeah. She takes the opportunity to try and get the fuck out. Um, but yeah. she is not, not fast enough. No. So, uh, Michael takes their car keys and goes and gets his mates. Yeah, and I will say I... I really love the mask in this movie. I think that they do a great job. They really do. Yeah. They age it up. Like, it's got wrinkles, which is, I mean, of course, it's going to age a little bit, but I think it's funny that they make it look like an old man face, you know, because he's an old man now. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lori right. hears about the crash and packs her go bag. Yep. Um, then Karen is back at her house, and uh, everything's weirdly quiet, so she's looking around, and then all of a sudden... Ori comes out of nowhere and says, like, bam, you're dead. So she's 
pulling more of her doomsday prep shit on Karen, who is sick of it. Well, and she's trying to get them to evacuate. Yeah. And Karen's like, do not come back without some therapy. Yeah. She is setting her boundaries. She's been, she's done the work. She's like, listen, I want you in our lives, but not while you're being this toxic to us, which is like, she's very firm in the way she's setting what her boundaries are. Yeah, I I buy it. Like, I mean, I would imagine Lori would be super overbearing. I would be tired of it myself. Uh, Cuts to Hawkins. They are investigating the death scene at the garage, place, bathroom, whatever. But uh, Lori's there too. She's kind of... uh, suspicious that michael actually escaped yeah cut to halloween night we get to see how uh michael on his good old halloween rampage here yeah, we get our trick-or-treat single take is how yeah. i wrote this scene um i love this scene because it um it's a one take seemingly i know that they did multiple takes yeah. for this but like like it all just tracks it's a Michael long in tracking one shot yeah yeah so he like is just walking throughout the neighborhood just like killing people and getting various weapons yeah it's, it's casual being eating it's great i love this it's it's just a, it's one of my favorite scenes even though this is michael like not stalking he's just kind of going all out immediately i don't know i just think that this is like a really fun scene uh, after that it cuts back to the halloween or not back it cuts to the halloween party allison and cameron are uh, bonnie and Clyde, except they're gender swapped yeah um Allison mm. sees Cameron over there smooching another girl. She, she gets jealous. Stands, well, she's not jealous. She's just like, hey, that's not cool. You're cheating on me. Oh, yeah. I'm done. Um, and then he takes her phone. Like, he's straight up abusive. Like, oh, yeah. He, he, he darbos it. Mm-hmm. Um, and s- takes her phone and dumps it in what I think is pudding. But you said you know what it actually is. Yes, because I listened to the commentary on halloween kills um david gordon green confirms that it's cheese dip ew in a glass punch bowl that's just gotta be congealed as fuck he called it cheese dip ew so that is what it is that is that's disgusting put that shit in a crock pot yeah so she storms out um allison's on the phone with vicky she uh is babysitting julian yeah julian's one of my favorite characters uh he's like this little kid that um him and Vicky are just like they have a history. Yeah. They have like good They've chemistry. Got good chemistry. Yeah. yeah, they like they're they're good friends with each other. She, like, she's like you used to be my favorite kid to babysit, but now you're like not even the top ten, and I babysit some fucking losers. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, but she invites him over for Alakazam, and then he's like, I fucking know what Alakazam is. You guys are gonna smoke weed. Uh, so Which uh, I hate when people are like, it's not realistic for a kid to talk like this. But I think those people are just out of touch of talking with kids. Yeah, I mean, kids are smart and yeah. kids are funny. You yeah. know, like this kid right here, I, I I believe that this is a really funny kid. Yeah, I'd say he's somewhere like around nine or ten years old. I think that tracks another for kid. How he could talk. Another character that makes it in all three movies too. By the way. Yeah. All right. Uh, or he's driving around, listening to the police radio, just trying to pick up on if there are any other things going on in the night to see where she can find Michael. Um, Julian freaks out because he's seen a mystery man in the hallway and uh, runs down to get Vicky to go check it out. So Vicky goes upstairs. Oh, and by the way, Dave's there, um, her boyfriend. Yeah. He's out in the garage uh, smoking alkazam and revving up a motorcycle he got a tattoo of the date yeah cool (laughs) he he was really 
He was, he was really excited it about up. it. Well, he's a high schooler. I mean, to him, it's probably the coolest shit ever. And to Vicky, it's the hottest shit ever because she wants to fuck him immediately after no, that. She said she's going to try hump him. Okay, whatever. It's still hot. That's still high school hot. <laughs> Anyways, um, so she goes upstairs to investigate. And this is this would have been my favorite scene in a movie had it not been ruined in the fucking trailers. Yeah. But she goes in there and the door won't close in the closet. So she keeps trying to close it. And then she opens it up and Michael is just standing there at the door and then slices at her. Um Julian freaks out and runs downstairs and Dave comes running and he's like, don't go up there, Dave. He'll kill you. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Before that, too. I can't remember what it was. He was trying to say when uh, Julian came running downstairs, he's like, there's something in my closet and she's going to go check. It. He goes, no, Vicky, not you. Send Dave. Yeah. He's like, fuck you, Dave. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Send Dave. Yeah. No, that's awesome. Um, she uh, she gets killed and we don't see what happens to Dave yet. But Julian gets out of there, thankfully. Um. So um. So they they arrive on scene. Um, I think it's been called into the cops that something happened. There is a disturbance. Uh, we see that Dave has been pinned to the door, kind of like Bob was in the mm-hmm. original movie. And um, as they're investigating. Lori is outside because she's heard from the police radio, and she looks up into the second story. And this is where we get our Nick Castle cameo because she can see Michael through the mirror, and they're kind of making eye contact through the mirror. As this happens, uh, he starts to just casually walk out of the house. Uh, Hawkins is there, and they all kind of scramble. But as Michael was making it out of the house, he's walking around the corner. Lori actually manages to get shot on him, shoots him in the neck. Doesn't phase him, just keeps walking. But they lose him somehow. I don't know how they lose this guy, but they do. Um, then they argue about Sartain being there. Yeah, and I like that Lori's like, oh, you're the new Loomis, which is which funny. I think is funny. Like, yeah, he's the new doctor, but I would argue Lori's the new Loomis. She's more of a Loomis in this movie. Because yeah. she's the one that's paranoid about him getting out and what he's going to do, and she's the one blowing him up as the boogeyman. That's true. She's definitely a Loomis in this movie. That's probably why I love her so much in this movie. <laughs> she was better prepared than Loomis, though. Yeah. She actually had a fucking plan other than run around and shout at people. <laughs> um, Although next... that was part of her plan, too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. My next scene or my next note says uh, Foggy was tempted by the guac. So basically, um, the guy that was uh, Oscar, Oscar, he uh, he followed uh, Allison out of the party. and They're both walking home and he tries to make a move on her. And at, during this moment, they're like cutting through um Mr. Uh, Elrod's yard, which mm-hmm. is a callback to Halloween too. Yeah, the uh, old couple there, the Elrods. Yeah, Harold, who doesn't appreciate his wife making him a sandwich and asking if he wants mustard and mayonnaise. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, he tried to make a move on her. She's obviously not into it, but he's like, "Yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, I had all the guac and all these sexy ladies were dancing around me. I'm sorry, I misread it." I just feel bad for Allison. Like she thought he was being an actual friend to her. No, and he's, he's, he's just a gross little horny dude. Yeah. So he uh, he's left behind in the yard, but he's crying to what he thinks is Mr. Elrod, and we get this like why fun. Think, why does he think Mr. Elrod's just standing in the corner of his own yard wearing a mask? He's like, I'm sorry, Mr. Elrod, you know, uh, I really fucked up this time. I really like this girl. And 
Yeah. Yeah, he's just complaining. And then ever, as this is happening, like they have motion activated lights in the backyard and uh, the lights go off. And then all of a sudden the lights go on and Michael's gone. And then he's like looking around and he just keeps teleporting throughout. And I love this so much. It's such a creepy way to do this. Um, but as the lights keep going on and off, Michael like is right up at them and he cuts them. And then as he's trying to escape, he tries to climb over the gate but Michael grabs him and yanks him down on one of like the it's like one of those arrow yeah. spearheaded. I put an Incredibles reference in my notes because right this is why Edna said no capes because <laughs> Michael grabs him by his cape. Um, it was funny because I was I was watching the um, special features. David Gordon Green said he always had an idea for this kill, but he never knew how to like. He just wanted to put it in a movie, and he's like, "All right, I'm making a Halloween movie. I can finally just." Like he's just like yeah. it just like the idea of those gates like it just it's uncomfortable yeah you know so yeah he gets pulled through and it's like pull like it goes through his mouth and through his head yeah it's yeah. gnarly it's a good kill uh so um at Allison's house um Karen's fighting with the cops because like Lori's like getting them all out and mm -hmm. um they're like we need Allison Hawkins is like okay I'll go get her so uh, Hawkins is uh, driving around town. And he happens to stumble upon Michael. And he's got Sartain with him, by the way. Mm -hmm. And um, he, like, straight up hits him with his car and runs him over. Um, Sartain freaks out and goes to check on him. And, um, well, Hawkins he's already says, got, too. He's already got Allison at this point, too. Yeah. Um, um, Sartain stabs Hawkins and takes Michael's mask. A lot of people hate this. Like that Sartain just like all of a sudden switches over and then like puts on the mask. I think that was a point in the movie that ruined it for a lot of people. But we know so little about Sartain. It's not like it's this huge character switch. Like, yeah, I don't. I mean, yeah, he, he's wanting. So the whole thing is he's like confessing to Allison because he he's taken Michael. He's put Michael in the backseat with Allison, which is freaky as fuck. And yeah, uh, he's basically explaining he wanted to release Michael. He's behind this whole thing. He caused the crash. He wants to see Michael out in the element because he wants to study him in his habitat that he was before. Um, so he's trying to reconnect him with Lori. And she is smart. She's a smart cookie. And she's like, well, I heard him talk. Yeah. He talked to me. One word. And she's like, let me go and I'll tell you. Um, and this whole time, I, as they're, this they're is like pulling up near the Strode house. Mm -hmm. And so the other cops that are like positioned outside as like um, patrol, they see this. It's, you know, they think it's the sheriff's. Well, they think it's it the sheriff because his car. Yeah. Um, and so they're like trying to figure out why he stopped. And then um, Michael ends up killing Sartain. This is, well, this whole thing with him and the backseat that's such a good concept like of having her locked in the yeah. backseat with him like he wakes up and then he grabs his mask puts it back on and like just being trapped in the backseat with michael is a terrifying idea but instead of killing her he decides to kick in the screen that's separating the front and backseat and then just like kill sartain right there by getting him out in the car and stomping his head just curb stomping him allison yeah. takes his opportunity to escape and it just starts running through the woods yeah um the car there's a cop car now at Lori's house um ray decides to go look at it sees a body of a cop inside and he gets killed not just a body of a cop michael's turned his head into a jack-o-lantern which how the fuck did he do that he watched terrifier 
I guess he did. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Um. Um. Oh, Allison's- I. Re- I wrote something about I don't remember exactly, but I just wrote the way Lori shouts Ray. I don't I don't know exactly how she shouts it now, but apparently I was very amused by it when we I watched don't, it. I don't know. <laughs> so uh, Mike was at the house now. Allison has also made it into like Lori's um, target practice yard. She's freaking out because there's all kinds of mannequins out in the backyard, um, but she makes it inside too. Um, as they're there, Lori notices that Michael is outside and she locks it up. And as she's walking the front door, Michael grabs her head and is like trying to bash her up against mm-hmm. the door. And she shoots his hand, shoots his fingies off. Yeah, so he loses some fingers. She should be deaf at this point, but no, she's it's fine. not. Movie magic. Yeah. Um, she probably honestly like has earplugs in because she's just always prepared. That's she, true. She's always blasting. Yeah. Um, she apologizes. To Karen and hunts Michael. Oh, yeah. And she sets Karen and Allison up in the basement. She's Mm -hmm. got like this little hidden basement under her uh, kitchen island. Um, Yeah. And yeah, so they're kind of want a secret basement entrance like that. It's cool. Yeah. So they're all like hiding down there. She's got like an armory and shit. So Michael is now inside. Um, In one of these rooms, I made the note that there are more bulbs than blades on the fan. (laughs) It is, seriously, there are like six light bulbs on the ceiling fixture and like three blades on the fan. Yeah. It's upsetting. I didn't notice, Um, you're noticing all these weird little details in this final scene. (laughs) I don't know what was going on. Well, we've watched it so many times, I can pay attention to the little details. Yeah, This is what I bring to the show. Yeah. So they're having their whole battle. She's, um going through the process of walking off. She's checking all the rooms and whenever they're clear, she's like hitting a button and sealing them off with these gated doors, yeah, basically. Spikes. And she um, she goes to the final room, which is her mannequin room, and uh, she can't really see anything. And then it's a really nice, like suspenseful setting. And like Michael was hiding behind one of them and he lunges out and like they wrestle for a little bit. Um, he throws Lori off of the balcony, and this is kind of like a callback to the original. Mm-hmm. She falls down just like he did. He walks out to the balcony to see where she is, sees her lying there, and then he hears Allison or um, Karen, I can't remember which one, downstairs, and he turns around for a second and then looks back, and Lori's gone. And then he starts pulling apart the island, and Karen's like crying, and she's like, Mom, Mom, I can't do it, I can't do it. And then... Um, once he gets the island free, she goes, gotcha. Yeah, well, because she's trying to bait him. Cause it's like, yeah, this she, is the twist, though. Like, yeah. You, like, for all Karen said that she, you know, her upbringing was traumatic, it apparently actually is paying off. It, yeah, it um, has some benefit. I, I mean, two yeah. things can be true at once, you yeah, know? Yeah, I mean, it can be shitty, but yeah. like, you can have, like, you can it, have gained something from yeah. it. Yeah. So, yeah, he shoots him in the neck. He stumbles down into the basement. So, Lori, or um, Allison and Karen run up. And um, Karen's like, it isn't, it isn't um, a whatever, it's a trap. It's not, it's, um, it's it's not a, a safe room, it's a trap or whatever. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Um, um, and Lori, like, as pulls a lever and yeah. like, kind of walks him down in there. Um, as this is happening, it triggers a fire to start in the basement. Yeah, there's the like basement. pipes in every single room mm-hmm. and they start leaking gas and then there's like triggers for all of the um, 
all of them to catch on fire. So yeah. they they run out. So oh, it's not a cage, baby. It's a trap. Ah. I wrote it down. Okay. Okay. So yeah. So the house is on fire. Michael's trapped in the basement. They run out into the uh, outside the house and they find a cop or a truck. They pull the Texas chainsaw. Yeah, and they get in the bed of the truck and drive off. And yep. that's the movie. That's the movie. I still like it. I still think it's, it holds up. I'm sorry. We're we're cutting it a lot shorter than we normally do. I'm not feeling good. Yeah, um, oh, if I, you I'm, could not tell yeah. from listening to her voice um, right now. <laughs> um, I've about hit my limit for the day. So Okay, well, let's wrap this up real, okay. real quick. So, um, all right, you keeping it at eight? Um, I think I'm going to 825. 825? Yeah. Okay. I, I, I just... I just think it's neat. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'm keeping mine at an eight. Um, talking about it didn't make me feel any better. Uh, you know, it's a good movie, especially as a standalone. I like this one a lot. You know? It yeah. Is, yeah. It's great. Um, do you have anything that you would change? Um, honestly, from this movie, no. I think it's a solid like follow-up. What about you? Um, I think that I would change some of Michael's behavior. Like, you know, like I said, I want to see more of the stalking. Um, like he, I get that he might have had like all this like pent up, you know, he wanted to get it out. Like it's been 40 years. He hadn't been able to kill anybody. He wanted to just get shit done. I get that. But part of the fun of his character is like toying with people and just like stalking. Like he has all these opportunities to get them, but he doesn't. Yeah. And I think that that's some of like the more chilling aspects of his character. Okay. Um, Who'd you relate to? Um, I think Karen, because of all her like therapy speak. Okay. Um, and like asserting her boundaries where she needs to. <laughs> okay. I like her. Um. Uh. I don't got a lot of people I relate to in this movie. Let's just say I relate to um, Dave for the fact that the concept of a flash tattoo on Halloween. I don't know what they're called. Yeah. Um, I think the because uh, we were going to try and get someone like that at Scarefest and it just didn't work out for they us. Didn't, yeah, they didn't have the flashes we wanted. So. Yeah. So, but I like the idea of that. Um, I probably wouldn't be like, yeah, the day October 31st is fucking awesome. But, you know, I'd get something that meant a little bit more to me. He's like, we're going to remember this night. Yeah, you are, buddy. All right. Um, no dream sequel because this is part of our franchise coverage. So um, Talia was asleep on the couch for about 90%. So what rating do you think that would be? Uh, I mean, she's seen this plenty of times. I think she'd give it a six. Okay. You know, I don't think she feels particularly strongly about this movie in any way. I don't know what my Zoe note says. She's there. For Lickillen. Huh? Lickillen? What are you trying to read? For my note for Zoe. I keep notes on what they do. Okay. The movie and you I were clearly incoherent at this point. <laughs> she was there for part of it. Okay, she was there. Well, we're going to count it. Okay. All right. I've got an internet review. Okay. I went negative because I thought that, well, I mean, I know that we both enjoy this one. Uh, so I went on IMDb and got a four out of 10 because I wanted something fairly constructive. Okay. Um, says, uh, I saw this at uh, H4O. 
Okay. Last weekend when I left the screening, I couldn't help but feel as if there's been a lot of marketing and misdirection thrown out there about this film because watching the trailers and then the film itself becomes obvious that Halloween 2018 was heavily reworked and edited. Aside from that, the script is laughably bad. Wait until you meet one of the new doctors from Smith's Grove and Allison's horribly written father, Toby. The character of the shape has been reduced What's to a the really actor's name, not the character's uh, name. Whatever. Uh, the character of the shape has been reduced to a really dumb, careless, random murderer behind a mask. Goodbye, stalking scenes. The pacing of the film feels entirely like an action movie and lacks the slow burn of the original. And some characters just disappear from the story and you never hear from them again. It is not at all the dark, brooding film suggested in trailer number two. Only positives for me, Andy Matichak is fantastic, as are many of the teen actors. The first third of the film actually is very good. When Michael arrives in Haddonfield, however, the subpar writing and direction really begins to reveal itself. Overall, it's so disappointingly bad. The positive reviews seem somewhat disingenuous, probably because of the Me Too subplot. I don't understand what that is. I don't think that there's been, there wasn't anything about a Me Too no. subplot in this. All there was is that Allison's boyfriend was kind of an Shitty. asshole to her and she wasn't going to deal with it. Yeah, I don't really get that point. But um, and uh, less of a reflection of the actual quality of the movie overall. All of the TIFF viewers that raved about this should be ashamed. They clearly got caught up in being at the premiere and having the actors in their presence. So they overhyped the movie to the rest of us. So, so disappointed. The original Halloween 2 somehow is the far superior film. Um, I agree with the original superior. Yeah. I agree that um they could have, you know, been a little bit more playful with Michael, like have a little bit more suspense to I it. I really want that. Um, um so I can see that. I don't think it's nearly as bad as he's saying it is. No, but I, don't feel I like mean like... there are some fair criticisms <clears throat> in there. Yeah, I mean I don't feel like they like went at action movie pacing with it. I still feel like it plays very much like a slasher horror movie. All right, listen reviews. Um, despite what Robert told us in his um, American Psycho episode that we have coming out next week, he did leave a review for this. Oh, okay. <laughs> so you get you double reviews, bitches. <laughs> All right. Uh, Robert Atone says, hated it originally, have grown to like it. Ends is best. That's okay. pretty much what he says. Yeah, that is. Yeah. Um, Horror Fan 1992 says, I enjoyed this one. Not as good as the 1978 original, but a good installment in my opinion. I agree. Uh Helena Housewife says, I didn't like Survival with Lori Strode. I thought she was cringy. Okay. I mean, I that's can get fair. that take too. Yeah. I mean, it is a bit much. It's very, yeah, very I, aggressive. I like it as an exploration of how she dealt with her trauma. Could have toned it, or made didn't, it, could have made it more realistic, I guess. Yeah. Because it is kind of cartoonish. Yeah. Like to have that house. Well, and especially like when we just watched Your Next, where the main character grew it's up a on a survivalist com uh, commune, like yeah. seeing how she's a little bit more grounded is. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Clay Zombie says, I dug it. Music and cinematography was excellent. Badass Lori and Michael Myers fight. That's true. Definitely. Uh, Michael Lee Howard says, David Gordon Green took the mantle from John Carpenter's original Halloween with grace and darkness. The entire cast shines and reminds you of what makes Michael Myers the shape. The entire film feels quick paced and keeps you holding your breath with the tension. Instant classic, 9 out of 10. All right. Yeah, I definitely think that this is a really good movie, and I yeah. think that he did a good job. I think you know, having John Carpenter there to like approve and bounce ideas off of probably helped a lot. Definitely. But yeah, I, I do feel like it's strong. Uh, on to Twitter, 
We only have one. It is Boo World Order. He says, not a big fan. In a franchise full of stupid nonsense <laughs> moments, Stu the new World doctor. Order. That was his, like, how yeah, many nicknames. I know. Stu, okay. okay, Stu World Order. Not a big fan. In a franchise full of stupid nonsense moments, the new doctor turning evil is the worst yet. It completely took me out of the movie. That's kind of what I was talking about before. Mm. Like, I hear that a lot whenever I see people discuss this movie. So, yeah, that's our reviews. All right. And that's it for the episode, everybody. So um, next week we, uh, which I mean, we've already recorded the episode. Yeah. Next week we are joined by uh, Robert Ertone once again, talking American Psycho. Yes. And you can currently watch that via streaming on HBO Max, Hulu Premium, or YouTube TV Premium, or you can rent it from YouTube, Vudu, Google Play, Prime, or Redbox. Yeah. So sorry that this took so long to get out. Thank yep. you guys for sticking with us. Um, I promise. Uh, we did American Psycho first, so we're a little bit more full energy for that one. Yeah. So that one's a it's a long episode, but it's a good one. I'm yeah. really excited about that one. We just we didn't want to delay this episode anymore, and yeah. we were feeling good at the start of it, and um, my energy just uh, ran out yeah. about partway through. So that's it's okay. just It's it's part of what happened. Um, if you haven't gotten COVID yet, try not to. Yeah. Um, Continue and if to you try have, well. good job getting better. <laughs> <laughs> We're uh, not getting better. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Good job at being unhealthy, I guess. <laughs> well, I mean, getting getting past. I know. COVID yeah. Good. Soon. Yeah. Good yeah. at getting over yeah. it. I, yeah. Good job. It's it's a bitch, man. Yeah. It sucks. Um. But yeah. So um. Thanks again. Um. If you yeah. want to see us on our social media, you can follow us on Facebook at Least Favorite Scary Movie Podcast. You can find us on Instagram at the same one, Least Favorite Movie, Least Favorite Scary Movie Podcast, or on Twitter, Least Fave Pod. Um, we do have a TikTok. We will not tell you what it is. You can no go way, find no it yourself. Um, if you want to, you can email us at our email address, Least Favorite Scary Movie at gmail.com. You can send us reviews, thank you stuff, anything. You can just talk to us. I don't care. It's just there for you to be able that's to reach we, out to that's us. That's how we started off with Stay Alive. That's how through an email. That's how we found. Yeah, somebody suggested Stay Alive. So if you got suggestions, send them to us there, Instagram, Twitter, whatever, I don't know, whatever you want to message us with. Um, and uh, we have a website. What's your least favorite scary movie.com. You can catch all of our stuff on there. Jesse has some reviews there. We have all kinds of others, just random things, uh, mostly our episodes. But it's an option if you want to check it out and. That's it. Um, if you could just uh, rate, review, rate, review and, subscribe. and subscribe because we appreciate the feedback. We like hearing from people. So, and it helps other people find us too. Exactly. But the algorithms are like, hey, people are talking about these people. Hey, people are talking about these people. All right. Well, we'll see you guys next week with American Psycho. Thanks again for sticking this out with us. We love you guys. Bye. Bye.